Today's show is sponsored by DiviCloud. DiviCloud protects cloud and container environments from policy violations, threats, IAM challenges, and misconfigurations, types of misconfigurations that have cost enterprises a jaw-dropping $5 trillion over the last two years. DiviCloud provides continuous security and compliance across all cloud service providers and containers, including AWS, GCP, Azure, Alibaba, and Kubernetes, providing a comprehensive view of what's in your cloud, along with the tools and automation you need to manage it today. DiviCloud is proving that security and innovation are not mutually exclusive, one customer at a time. Join innovative enterprises like Spotify, Fannie Mae, and Discovery, who have found the freedom to innovate securely without loss of control. To learn more, visit divicloud.com forward slash cloudcast. That's D-I-V-V-Y-C-L-O-U-D dot com slash cloudcast to sign up for a free trial. DiviCloud, find your freedom to innovate. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Good to be back with everybody. We are rolling into August of 2020. Uh, the year is more than half done, so moving into the second half of the year and uh, some good clouds news of the week. We're going to jump right into that. Kind of re- quick recap, because uh, we always talk about the earnings, and the earnings numbers kind of got split up between the different cloud providers. So we talked about a little bit last week. Um, Azure was up uh, 47%. $50 billion run rate um, annually. IBM had been up 13% on their cloud business, uh, about a $22 billion run rate, at least as announced. Um, and then this week, uh, AWS and Google announced their numbers. So uh, AWS numbers were up uh, 29% uh, for Q2, uh, about $10.8 billion run rate. So let's call that $43, $44 billion uh, annual number. And then Google Cloud was up 43% uh, year over year. So about a $3 billion quarter. So let's put that at around $12 billion. And again, um, outside of AWS, they're really the only one that, that is very clearly breaks out their numbers. Um, all of the other ones sort of mix in their numbers with some other stuff, although GCP is uh, fairly well broken out, um, although they do include um, some of the the cloud, the Google Cloud Suite stuff as well. So, you know, comparing apples to apples, um, not the easiest thing to do, but we're getting a little bit better at that. So, you know, we're still seeing growth from all the major cloud players. Um, you know, some areas are slowing down a little bit. AWS slowing down a little bit, um, but I uh, don't want to speak badly about AWS. Don't want to not be allowed to be on their podcast down the road. A couple of other things in cloud news of the week that were interesting. Um, Red Monk, our friends over at Red Monk, uh, James Governor and uh, Stephen O'Grady and all the other good folks at Red Monk announced their language rankings for 2020. Those are out. Um, and, you know, they go through a lot of things for those of you that are sort of language geeks that are, you know, concerned about <clears throat> which languages are growing, which ones are growing the fastest. Um, let's kind of walk through their ranking. Uh, number one, JavaScript. Number two, Python. First time that uh, any non-Java-centric um, language, at least in the time that the Red Monk folks had been uh, tracking this, had made the top two. So Python number two. Um, Java number three, PHP number four, C++ number five, C Sharp uh, also tied at number five, Ruby number seven tied with CSS, and number seven, TypeScript number nine, and C coming in at uh, top 10. Uh, Rust did make the top 20, so for those of you that are Rust fans, uh, Go at 15, uh, R at 13, uh, PowerShell at 17. So you can go through and see the numbers. Um, 
they do a really, really good job of sort of, you know, sussing out not only the numbers, how things track, how they've been tracking year over year, but also some uh, really good kind of analysis of maybe why some of the languages are are moving up or moving down. And then also, you know, they do a real good job of kind of breaking down some of the the hype around certain languages and, and what are still, you know, really resonating with the largest number of developers. So they pull all their data from uh, both GitHub and Stack Overflow. So they, they, you know, a couple of very broad data points. So um, again, you know, interesting stuff going on. Obviously, the earnings numbers are always interesting, especially here in the COVID times, um, looking at, you know, how companies are shifting to the cloud, if that's accelerating or not. Um, Actually would have thought some of the numbers would have been a little bit higher. Um, But, you know, we're not exactly sure if maybe some of the uh, I don't want to say slower growth numbers, but you know, sometimes when when things slow from quarter to quarter, you're not sure if that's because there's less usage or if that's because uh, maybe you know increased discounts or maybe not as much customers paying for as much as as what they were before. So, we'll be interesting to watch that. And uh, with that, we're going to kind of wrap up cloud news of the week. Just kind of wanted to hit on a couple of those things uh, in terms of revenue numbers and some uh, some rankings and all that are out there. We have a very interesting guest, actually a couple of guests, our new uh, good friends from Microsoft are going to be joining us. We're going to talk about all things identity, especially in a very distributed world. So we're going to get to that right after the break. Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a cloud-scale monitoring platform that unifies metrics, logs, and traces from technologies like Istio, AppMesh, and Envoy. Plus, Datadog's service map automatically plots out the dependencies in your microservices architectures for seamless, context-rich troubleshooting. With rich visualizations, algorithmic alerting, and more than 250 vendor-supported integrations, Datadog allows you to monitor your distributed applications in real time. Start a free 14-day trial today by visiting datadog.com cloudcast, and Datadog will send you a great free t-shirt. That's datadog.com cloudcast. And we're back. And folks, you know, as you know, we are now living in a much more distributed world than we used to be three months ago, four months ago, however many number of months ago it's been since we uh, started dealing with this pandemic and, and dealing with, you know, working remote. But being able to log into our systems, have an identity on our systems, be able to be recognized has been a big deal for a long time. It basically is the starting point for almost every piece of computing, but we've never really covered it on the show. And we thought today might be a good day to get started on that. And we thought, well, if we're going to get started on it, we may as well get started with uh, the folks that everybody sort of thinks of when they think of identity. So excited to have a couple of folks from Microsoft joining us, uh, Christos Matskas and John Dannison. Guys, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, so you guys have both been with Microsoft for a little while. Uh, you both work in kind of both the the security and identity space. Um, just for for folks being able to hear your voice and associate a name with a voice and, and also kind of get a little bit of your background. Uh, Christos, why don't you give us a little bit of your background first, kind of what you've been working on at Microsoft, and then uh, John, do the same thing. Sounds good. So uh, I joined Microsoft back in 2016. Uh, I'm a developer and geek at heart. So uh, I've been cutting code for quite a few years. And uh, the past few years, I've been helping customers with either Azure Cloud uh, programming and what have you. And these days, I I work as a developer advocate for the identity division. And we help customers build uh, solutions around our identity. Excellent. John, what about you? So I've been at Microsoft about four years. And before before I came over here, I did consulting and worked in enterprise line of business development. So built a lot of apps and things like .NET and Java um, and came to Microsoft to uh, focus on working with customers and doing uh, working cloud and, and in Azure specifically. And I, I suppose that uh, identity work rolls downhill. And I couldn't get out of the way fast enough. (laughs) So I ended up doing a lot of it over the years. And I kind of 
kind of gravitated towards it. I, I just had a, a lot of, of interest in in identity that I didn't have to own as a developer. And a few months ago, I met Christos, and he and I started working together on making it easier for developers to get started using our platform. So yeah, very very cool. And you are a uh, you are a, a son of North Carolina, so essentially you're an extension of the the massive Cloudcast Studios. We're glad to have you. Not that Christos, we're not <laughs> glad to have you as well. And uh, just for those listening, uh, John's young said it is pouring down rain here in North Carolina. John's young son has decided to to ride his bike around the house, which is great. We encourage that, but you may hear some rumbling at some point. So uh, <laughs> not, a, not a problem at all. Guys, let's, let's start with some basic stuff. So for, for anybody who doesn't live you know, in the security world or you're a developer that just wants to write code and all of a sudden you got to think about identity, like give, give me the basic things that people need to think about in terms of identity or the basic technical concepts that are, that are kind of core to this space. Sure. It really comes down to who you are and who you are is somewhat of a, somewhat of a, an ambiguous term because who you are could be lots of different things to lots of different groups. So you might be uh, one identity to your company and you might be a totally separate identity to your family and a totally separate identity to your, to Google for your Google account or something like that. So identity is sort of Everything that goes into knowing who a user is or knowing who what a user has access to and and everything that goes into that, because I need to know who you are in a sort of a verifiable way. But how do we verify who you are? Um, and that's that's sort of the core of what we do is help developers figure out how to identify users so that they can make sure they have access to the right things and make sure they see the data that is pertinent to them. Uh, and it's. It's one of those things that's been around forever, but it's um, it got considerably more difficult and more interesting when we started moving to these sort of low trust, medium trust zones like public clouds. Um, and so this, the space has really taken off since then. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, things obviously they get more, as you mentioned, you know, we start getting in distributed places. Um, things get more complicated because we no longer have... Uh, you know, the four walls of our office, we no longer have kind of, you know, protected areas and unprotected areas. Um, you know, g- give us some sense whether we're talking about, uh, you know, multiple devices, you know, do you have an identity that goes with multiple devices? Is it, you know, a third party application, i.e. it's a it's an API, it's a it's a non entity to your business, like it's a contractor, like, Give us a scope of like how has all those things that are outside of the normal purview of what a business would think, how does that now complicate identity? And what are what are some of the, the, the ways you have to think about that? It's it's all of the above, right? We we've all been sent home for because of coronavirus and everything going on. And uh, the world is a totally different place now than it was even 10 years ago in terms of the kinds of devices we use and how people work. You know, I've got a dozen devices sitting here on my desk that all buzz and go crazy whenever I get a Teams call and I can never seem to answer the right one. But (laughs) between your cell phone and your tablets and your laptops, you know, we all have an identity at work, for example. And we don't want to have three different passwords to sign into three different devices. Because if we have three passwords, which of course we all have exponentially more of those, we end up reusing the same ones over and over, or we write it down on a post-it note and stick it to our monitor and things like that. And so we want to have a consistent identity for work, for example. So we're, we sign in with the same username, the same password, or the same credential, because passwords aren't even really the big thing anymore. Um, so that 
if I'm at work and I need to get to my email and I need to get to files that I'm sharing with other folks and I'm sitting at a laptop at my desk at my home office and Christos is across the country and I need to send him an Excel sheet or some data that we're working on together, I need to know that it gets to him and only him. Uh, I can't afford to have that data leak somewhere and he needs to be able to get to it in a consistent way and on whatever device he might be on. you know, I'd, He's three hours behind me. So most of the time, my workday ends before his does. And I'm, I'm on my phone in the evenings after my kids go to bed or I'm, uh, you know, pop open my laptop upstairs. So, you know, I switch devices constantly. It's, it's a constant battle between which device am I going to use for different things and knowing who I am on each one of those devices is a, it's just a, a super critical part of my experience as an employee. Christos, as you talk about sort of, you know, talking with developers, developer relations with them, like what, what do they think about? What, what, what types of conversations are you having with them? Because they're trying to write an, an application that's going to be a great experience. It's going to do data processing or analytics or, or whatever it's going to do. At what point in that conversation or in their thought process do they start thinking about identity? And then what's the, you know, oftentimes what's the scope of that? Is it I have to think about a million users or is it I have to think about, you know, how I interact with APIs? What's the kind of give me the scope of what developers are having to deal with these days? Uh, I, I have to say that um, it's funny, but we don't really have identity developers, right? So even though we're developer advocates for identity, uh, we don't really identify as, um, you know, there's no identity developer. So there's not somebody that just writes identity and moves on right. to do the next identity for the next system and then the next identity. So developers tend to deal with identity as a, as a side effect. Right. So I work on a solution. I need to integrate with some data or I need to uh, authenticate my users before they buy something from my company. So um, I, I need to integrate that quickly into my solution and then move on. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, throughout the years, as we work with customers, we do find that there are challenges on how people implement that and whether they know what's out there or whether they're aware of the, the, the implementations. So uh, developers come to us with very uh, different problems and solutions. Um, from implementing and rolling out their own kind of authentication and identity system, which we uh, advise against because, you know, you don't want to end up in the news like recent news or right. older news of, you know, companies being owned by um, not having secure infrastructure and solutions. Uh, and then all the way to how do I scale my identity system now that I have it rolled out somewhere. So for us, it's uh, guiding developers to and companies actually to adopt the right uh infrastructure, the right solution, whether it's a, an organizational line of business app or whether it's a, an external kind of solution where, you know, a company like Target needs to uh, implement and integrate uh, external customers that, where they come, they sign in with their social media accounts, and then they can go and shop their things. So from, from a developer perspective and from a company's perspective, we've seen a massive transformation, especially in the, in the last uh, couple of months with COVID pushing things the way that they went, the, the remote work and the remote access. We went from, you know, companies looking at uh, we're going to migrate the cloud or we're going to uh, accelerate our cloud and digital transformation from three years to three months. Like Satya said that at some point, like we've seen this massive transformation, even from my personal experience. Like we now uh, do all our food ordering online. We used right. to go to the supermarket to buy stuff. Now, like we, we had to create so many different accounts like Instacart and what have you to be able to do these things. So you can see how identity underpins everything is the foundation of uh, many companies. 
Yeah. Developers don't don't really think of that um, as a, as from the onset. So what we want to instill there is that uh, yes, identity can be tricky. Identity can be hard sometimes to work with. But if you uh, w- we give you the right tools, we give you the right examples, and we allow you with a delegated kind of authentication uh, via our identity platform for you to quickly integrate into your solution securely and then move on to the next task. Yeah. Do you get a sense that that developers have, uh, you know, have an idea of of what types of authentication they're going to have to deal with? So, you know, for example, if I think of my my day to day, there's things I do for work where it's, you know, basic username and password. Uh, Other times it's some sort of SSO that, you know, seems to kind of keep my credentials as I go from internal site to internal site or, or something like that. And then other times, like you said, it's, you know, like I, I log in with my Gmail account or I log in with a Facebook account. Like, do they have a sense of, of what that whole experience is going to look like? Or, you know, is their part of the application only have to deal with some part of identity and, and they, they, won't be, they won't be involved if it didn't get authenticated further up the chain? I mean, this. I have to say that there's not really a cookie cutter approach to these ones, right? Every solution is fairly customized. Gotcha. And if you're writing a line of business app uh, that is going to run in the internet, then you really don't want your users to have to authenticate all the time. So from that perspective, it makes sense to to use a solution that integrates with SSO, right? Single sign-on. Uh, but if you have customers that come to you from uh, all over the place and they're not part of your org, then you don't want to use... Um, you know, an, an organizational solution and identity that expects them to be part of the org. So at that point, you, you're thinking about business to consumer or uh, external identities to your solution. Uh, what we, we try to uh, provide developers is an easy guide to make that decision and make the right decision, right? So um, give them kind of a scenario-driven approach and say, what are you trying to build? What are you trying to solve? And then we'll guide them down the right path rather than trying to say, um, this is a full list of all the things that you can do today and inundate them with too much information. Right, right. Uh, so, and again, this is sort of for either one of you. What are the, what are the types of things? So the, when I think about, uh, you know, what, what people are involved with, sometimes it's, it's Active Directory, sometimes it's LDAP. But then there's, there's, you know, plenty of other things that we have to say authenticate to. So it could be a VPN, it could be Okta as some sort of SaaS front end, like, from from your perspective, from Microsoft, in terms of the tools that you can help people with, like kind of walk me through what are some of the offerings or the things that that you might present uh, in front of your your customers, your developers to go, hey, this is these are the things that can help you. Like these are available. These these can help you. Like what what are some what what's that scope or breadth of things today? So there's a there's a lot. Uh, Azure AD is our sort of core offering and. Azure AD itself encompasses dozens and dozens of different individual features and, and products as a part of it. For us, as we talk to developers, our story to developers is, hey, if you're in a large org, for example, and your org already has Office 365 or is using Azure or some other Microsoft platform, you already have Azure AD. You know, this isn't something that you have to uh, configure and build yourself. Because we see a lot of developers who are building sort of net new identity solutions, sometimes for every app or for every scenario they get into, um, where they're building a, a username and password database, or they're building with a very specific point product uh, just for one app or just for one collection of apps. And so what we want to offer is sort of the 
this organizational model that, that's available for the cloud. So if we think about like Office 365 and Azure today, um, we take your sort of on-premises user data in whatever form you have it, LDAP or Active Directory or any kind of different directory solutions, sometimes even straight out of databases. And we start pumping those users and those those user objects up into the cloud, up into Azure AD. Okay. And once those users are in Azure AD, now they're available for nearly anything. So they're available for your apps that you're building, for line of business apps, for internal folks, or for partner apps. Your partners come in and your partners can use those apps, uh, or for vendor apps that you've bought. So if you say use a Dropbox or something like that, Azure AD can also handle uh, securing your user authentication through to Dropbox. So instead of me having to have my corporate login that I use for one thing and a Dropbox separate username and password, I'm using the same account, the same sort of corporate account or Azure AD account uh, for everything. And my administrators, my organizational administrators are the ones defining those relationships. Um, and setting policy to say, hey, I don't want data to leak from uh, service ABC. So let's put some strong security on uh, on a user trying to sign into Dropbox, for example. Let's make sure they use MFA or you can only access it from the office or something like that. And those controls are set Azure AD side so that when one of their users goes to sign into Dropbox, they can't just sign in directly. They have to use their corporate account. They may have to MFA. They may have to have some other collection of, of criteria in order to connect to that service. And as a developer, you have that same functionality available to you, which is really cool because instead of you as the dev having to build in things like MFA or figuring out how to do, how to you know configure policy of what, what people can and can't do inside of your app, a lot of that can be controlled on the Azure AD side and your app is merely integrating with it. So the amount of code you have to write drops pretty considerably. Yeah. And and for that sort of scenario, like, do they still call that, like, identity federation? Or is that, I mean, is that concept of federation still there? Or is this just, you know, we have, we just, we connect with those systems. There's a way of naturally doing that through Azure AD. It, it could be called federation. Uh, it uses standard identity federation protocols, things like OpenID Connect and OAuth2 and SAML which I mean, SAML's a little bit older and, and would be familiar. It's widely, widely available and used by a lot of different services. So if you're not familiar with identity, SAML's probably the first one you would be interacting with. But I guess you'd still call it federation. Um, we're starting to see much more of a, almost a blend, if you want to call it that, of you know, sort of classic traditional federation, but more of this, um, uh, maybe more of an integration now rather than, a pure proper federation between uh, between identity systems themselves. Gotcha, gotcha. And and so so I'm I'm the uh, I'm the admin responsible for this, right? I'm I'm the security officer that owns identity. Uh, application teams come to me. Like, what's what's their world look like? I mean, how you know how frequently are they getting requests for new applications? I mean, it, it, at some point, is it just like? Hey, here's the AD service. Just you know, just uh, just connect to it, just like you would DHCP. So it's not a big deal. But like, there's that. There's making sure that you know if an employee leaves, they're locked out like in two minutes or one minute or like. G- give me a day in the life of that person these days having to deal with 
this sort of, you know, no longer have firewalls, no longer have boundaries? What, you know, what, what are the challenges they're dealing with? I think the big one is the, the lack of that, that moat, right? The lack of that perimeter of the giant castle of the network to say, uh, it's okay what happens in our inside of our network. As long as we secure the perimeter, it's going to be super strong and we're going to own it. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be impenetrable because of course that's not true anyway, right? We all have services. We have to get out to the internet. Um, and so we are coaching and helping administrators start and, and ops folks who, who own those kinds of systems for identity systems to think more about how do I make sure that my identity is rock solid? How do I make sure that I can authenticate this user and know who they are beyond the shadow of a doubt? Um, so we get into things like uh, strong credentials like FIDO keys, which are USB sticks or uh, NFC tags that you stick into a computer and it, it stores some strong authentication data about you on the device, uh, as opposed to you just using a password to go and sign in. Um, uh, admin set MFA policies to say, if you're going to use this application, then you need to make sure that you use a multi-factor app on your phone or on, on you know, or even a certificate on a, on a FIDO key as a separate device. Um, and beyond just configuring those policies, we also need to make sure that people are using them correctly and that you're auditing what they're doing. Uh, and that's key too. This is sort of another big side or a big component of Azure AD is making sure that you see um, in sometimes in great detail what's happening with your users, right? Because you can't necessarily monitor their phone or their laptops all the time. So where are your users signing in from? Uh, what kind of devices are they using to sign in from? What kind of services are they trying to sign in to? Uh, all of those pieces of data can help you make better decisions as an administrator as to whether or not this user might be compromised or is doing something outside of their uh, sort of normal pattern. And that whole sort of logging suite is a big, a big component of Azure AD too. And we have a whole fleet of products around monitoring that for you and giving you alerts and telling you when somebody signed in from Europe and the US within five minutes of each other, which, you know, unless you're, they call it the Superman problem, right? If, right. Unless you're Superman, he <laughs> didn't make it from the US to Europe in five minutes. So um, these are all things that administrators have to think about. And, and they're things that administrators have had to think about for a long time. Um, but it's, it's, it's easier to contain when it's on your network, right? Yeah. It's easier to contain when it's you and your and 2000 of your closest friends at your company who all go to the same office every day and use VPN for everything. And, uh, you know, use trusted lockdown devices every day. And uh, the new world of accessing my email in a browser, for example, is, um, is foreign to a, for, to a lot of, to a lot of companies. Yeah. And, and given that a lot of this stuff is now running in the cloud, it's a, it's a cloud service. Is there, is there beginning to become, <clears throat> you know, much more than just you know logs and intelligent logging. There's some there's some there's some sort of AI and machine learning sitting behind here to to deal with the Superman problem or deal with hey that that anomaly looks kind of weird. Like I can automatically take care of it. Are we seeing more automation or more intelligence behind the scenes of these things? Absolutely. Well, you oh, have sorry. to right. Well, you have to because the the scale of um, the services grow so fast that it becomes impossible for a, a set of admins to be able to deal with all these things and scan the logs all the time. So even for us as, as Microsoft, we have these services for us first and foremost. 
uh, we operate at a zero trust network, which means that uh, when I log into my corporate machine, the assumption is that this machine is compromised uh, from the onset. So the network deals with these things and we have tools to look into the behavior of a specific machine and then make sure that um, things are isolated very, very quickly. To, to, to be able to achieve that, you need to rely on machine learning and uh, artificial intelligence to uh, scan these. And because we have to make sure that our network, first and foremost, is secure, then we the same tools that we use for us are used for um, our customers as well. So in extension, uh, the, the data that we collect on, on Azure AD from uh, irregular usage or you know bots or whatever, they become available to everyone that uses the suite uh, in order for us to be able to fend out um, any threats or any security issues. And you automatically get that out of the box. You don't have, as an admin, to opt in for that, right? So uh, automatically, you can focus on uh, managing your, your enterprise more efficiently rather than having to uh, scan the logs every morning to see if there was any regular behavior from your users somewhere. Right, right. Yeah, and I, and I have to imagine, and this may not be completely in your purview, but, but I imagine there's got to be a, a good amount of learning coming from, from the GitHub team being shared with the Microsoft team, just because you're now dealing with a world in which you have, you know, thousands and thousands of people that, you know, will use whatever identity they want. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, the system lets them in. They're constantly doing things, but it's not a sort of just a free forum like it just used to be some message board. It's, you know, it's tied to stuff that is going to push code, could impact your could impact your environment in production. It's got, you know, it's a whole nother level of sort of all the problems combined into one place. I imagine there's probably a lot of cross-pollination learning coming from that group to you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. And there's so many, we have such a sort of a massive data set as the the, the scale of the service is just so large that um, I think we announced, because yesterday was, or sometime in the past few weeks was earnings calls and they were, right. they were talking about, you know, big numbers and, We've got like something like 340 or so million active users, like monthly active users of Azure AD. And that number of people uh, signing in on a, at least once a month, um, it, it just offers such a huge data set to use for, for learning, for training AI on what kinds of um, what kinds of behaviors are happening that are you know signals for attacks or for compromised um, compromised credentials and and all sorts of different signals that we see to protect the service and keep the service running, but that we also surface to you as an admin so that you can make decisions based on, uh, based on the data that, that we have about you and about uh, the other 200,000 organizations that are using Azure AD. Right. Um, you guys are both technologists. Uh, obviously, you, you, you work on certain products. You get a chance to talk to a lot of companies using it, but you're, you know, you're, you're, you're technologists. You sort of love this stuff. Are there, are there any areas, sort of technology areas that you're now tracking that, you know, is, is coming along? It's, it's kind of emerging as being kind of the next big thing for identity. Either it's solving a new problem, it's kind of new and nascent, or, boy, this is going to make a big leap and, and kind of make, something that was really complicated, really simple. Any any technology space around identity that people should be on their radar? From uh, Well, one thing that we want to make sure, especially in the developer space, is um, creating robust solutions that don't expose uh, sensitive information. So in the past, if you were talking to a database, you had to provide some kind of a connection string to your app to be able to connect the database, know where to find that database, the database server, whether it's on the network or the cloud. And that always presented a problem and a challenge for us because you know there have been 
and numerous times where I walked into a customer and would look at a solution and they have a file with all the secrets somewhere and API keys and access to sensitive information that developers should not really have purview on, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we are very, very um, focused on working these days is eliminating the need for secrets or passwords or uh, for applications to be able to communicate with resources on the cloud without really having developers having to expose that information in a clear text somewhere. So uh, Manas Identity for us is becoming a big thing. We already have lots of services that allow intercommunication securely without developers needing to know um, how these things work. It's all underpinned by Azure AD. And uh, you can imagine, right? So you can have have a website that speaks to a database, maybe some CAS server somewhere, or maybe some, um, some other file system somewhere else. So I need like three different kind of connection strings. So from my perspective, uh, if if I were a CTO, I wouldn't like my my developers to have access to production databases, to production information. Uh, the way to lock that all down is to uh, make uh, managed identities work seamlessly out of the box. So developers can still develop locally against these systems without really having to have the secrets. And when that application moves to production, that uh, migration is seamless again. You don't have to change anything in the code. It just works automatically for you all underpinned by Azure AD. I think this is something very big for us, eliminating the possibilities for a company to, because once you become a target as a high, uh, from a, a hacking uh, group or a team or whatever, then uh, trust me, it's just a matter of time before they get access to your data. Before, uh, So what we want to do is to create these kind of modes, as uh, JP mentioned earlier, where people, once they get access to something, that they can't really move to the next thing in your network because they're automatically shut off. So eliminating that risk with multiple layers of implementation. Yeah. Uh, for, from my perspective, that's exciting. Yeah, much more, much more confidential type of computing. It's a, it's an interesting space. Uh, we've seen, we've seen some of it as things get tied to hardware and hardware keys. But yeah, that's uh, eliminating passwords or sort of hiding passwords is, is exciting. Uh, I was digging in a little bit uh, over the weekend um, into into sort of Microsoft Learn, right? The the way that you guys are are redoing your docs and sort of integrating them so that your learning experience, your your sort of reading experience is tied to a learning experience. Uh, any if people want to go dig into this, what's a what's an easy starting point for people to to start learning more about what Microsoft can do with identity and uh, Azure AD and and all the other tools around it? Uh, I. Obviously, Microsoft Learn is, is a great place to be. Um, we're putting more and more material out there to allow you to uh, go and learn about uh, identity and um, find resources. Uh, our docs have a, a, a rich uh, set of samples and walkthroughs and getting started with, so uh, easy to get there. Uh, but me and JP also are trying to educate developers as much as we can at scale, right? So that's very important. So some of the things that we started is playing recently and trying out is building a community or communities and educating these communities via uh, newer um, tools and services like uh, streaming. So um, one one of the ways to come and uh, learn is to uh, follow us on Twitch uh, at MSID Dev, where we uh, stream every week about uh, building stuff. So uh, we're language agnostic and platform agnostic, and we try to to help developers build stuff. Yeah. Uh, very cool. Yeah, no, we, we've, we've got some folks in my own shop that have been doing a lot with Twitch, and it's it's just taken off like crazy. So that's that's very cool. We'll get that linked in the show notes. What you, you, I, I cut you off. You had something else you wanted to talk about? Uh, JP? <laughs> well, no, I think the, the our streaming on Twitch has been 
it's been a lot of fun. We've connected with with a lot of folks already, and I think for us in the identity group at Microsoft, and you know, our division is sort of the crossroads of everything, right? right. So you can't transact with Microsoft or use any Microsoft products really without touching one of our identity systems. And it puts us in that unique position of being able to be a little uh, more platform agnostic. So if you're building an app that's running, uh, building a Java app that is going to run on-prem or run in, in, in Amazon, you know, we still want to help you secure that app and use Azure AD to give your admins the visibility into it that they need and to make your development experience uh, as quick and easy as possible. So, um it's been it's been interesting. We, we've only been streaming code for about a month or month or two now, but uh, we're seeing a lot of interest uh, from a lot of different developers from all different walks and all different backgrounds, which uh, is encouraging for us because identity is one of those things that when everything goes fine, nobody says a word, uh, and when everything goes wrong, you don't want to be you don't want to be in the news because of that. So right. um, we want developers to fall into the pit of success. Right? There you go. Yeah, no, very cool, very cool. Yeah, it, we, it is a, we, we comment all the time, it is a, a very different Microsoft than two years ago, three, four years ago, and, and obviously when, when a lot of us got started and we were just having Windows on our laptop. So it's cool to see you guys, you know, branching out beyond just kind of the, the Microsoft ecosystem, you're getting into a lot of different spaces. Guys, I, thank you so much for the time today. Um, you know, I, I know for myself, uh, I don't have a ton of background in identity. I hope the stuff we talked about today uh, educated some other folks as well. Um, last thing, if anybody wants to kind of reach out to you, what's maybe a good way, Twitter, Twitch, other ways to, to maybe pick your brain on some of these things? To Twitch, we're there every Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, um, or sorry, 10 a.m. Eastern on Tuesdays. And every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern, we have our uh, community hour. We introduce people from the community and talk about work that they're doing. But Chris and I are both on Twitter. Um, I'm... I'm at Azure and chill. It's much more embarrassing nice. to say it loud, actually. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, we're both on Twitter. We're both pretty active on Twitter, and we are happy to take questions there. And um, we have teams. It's a good good opportunity to bring this up, too, is uh, we have teams within our division who are also really interested in helping developers um, build apps and understand what they should build and, and how to use our products, too. And... Uh, so we have a we have a link for that too uh, of a way to engage with our broader identity group as a whole um, to get some support or to get some questions answered for everything uh, everything identity related at Microsoft. Yeah, very very cool. Yeah. yeah, and we've we've had some friends for a long time who are uh, part of at least part of the Azure Dev team. Ashley uh, Ashley McNamara and uh, Bridget and a whole bunch of other folks. So good folks over there. Also always very helpful. Guys, uh, again, thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much for uh, for educating us and digging into this stuff. Folks, as always, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for giving it a rating on iTunes. And uh, with that, we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 